0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Trumpet Gurus Hang. And I am joined by the fabulous Kiku Collins, who uh, is also known, of course, as the Ninja Princess. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you better ask somebody. So, Kiku, how's it going?
1: Doing okay. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm just living the dream here. Uh, yeah,
1: right? Aren't we all?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, at least it is. Uh, th- today was a slightly warmer day, so uh, I think almost all the snow has melted here on the East Coast, so that's yeah. a, that's a positive.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: loving that.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you're uh, you're in New York these days, correct?
1: Yep, Yeah, I've been here for a long time.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a happening place, you know? I love
1: it. I love it you know, I, I travel the world. Well, I haven't in the past year for some reason, but, um, I normally travel the world and this is my favorite place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, for the longest time, I, I kind of, uh, I was Jones in the move to New York. So it's like New York, San Diego, or Vancouver or Hong mm-hmm. Kong. Those are my, mm-hmm. my, my go-to places. But, uh, yeah, here I am in central Pennsylvania and, you know, Hey, you know, home, home is where, where you are, you know. So, right, right. Yeah, you It's know, so all where you make it. So uh, let's, let's just uh, let people get to know a little bit about you. So um, how long have, have you been uh, in the New York area?
1: Long time.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> we don't That's want to miss anything.
1: It's been a long time. Yeah. I Basically, I feel like I've been here my whole life. Mm-hmm. I moved here for college and that was it.
0: Okay. So, uh, where where were you born at?
1: In New Jersey, Jersey. not far, but okay. well, honestly, I mean. in in the woods. Okay, like in the woods, Jersey. That and nobody's heard of my town, and that's fine because, you know, yeah. Well, why would you? Um.
0: <laughs> well, in Jersey, such an interesting state because there's parts of Jersey that you know, like the the Newark and you know Camden areas mm-hmm. that are just basically not much to speak of, uh, you know, Uh, but, uh, but then there's some, there's some really nice kind of quiet out of the way places. And it's like, you're, you are in the middle of nowhere. You are kind of, uh, out in the, what beautiful, beautiful scenery in some areas. And then, then you get to Bayonne and you're like, what?
1: (laughs) where I grew up, it was, you know, it was very quiet. Um, but it wasn't nice. Mm. (laughs) Let's, Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, you know i would i mean we had we were very 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 poor and the only reason we could afford a house at all was because of this weird little town that we moved to and there was a power plant in the backyard and our house blew up a couple times, and um, yeah, we had holes in the walls. Um, there were bats that would occasionally f- just fly through the house because they were tired of being in the attic the whole time. Um, there were you could hear critters in the walls. It was, ah, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. So you're, you're. I
1: could not wait to leave. Yeah. I couldn't, and I knew when I was little that I wanted to live in New York.
0: Awesome. So, so what got you started in music?
1: Um, well we were required to play an instrument in the fourth grade and um and we had a trumpet because my brother was playing trumpet um so i i was you know doing gymnastics and yeah i was i was trying to be a typical girl Um, but because we were so broke, I just, I grew up in hand-me-downs and a lot of those hand-me-downs were my brother's husky sized tough skins. Now now I'm aging myself because that's a whole different era, but yeah, they were like cardboard Mm -hmm. Um, that lasted forever, unfortunately, because I ended up in ill-fitting boys pants and, um, So, you know, I tried to be as girly as I could be. Um, And then, of course, in the fourth grade, it was very strange. And I've told this story so many times over the pandemic for some reason. Um, I guess a lot of people are doing interviews now because we don't have gigs. But um, so they gave us a written test, you know, our first day of band and... So you had to show how much knowledge you had about music. And I had, I was a terrible piano player and I hated my teacher. It was a whole scene, but I was, you know, singing and I was actually playing in the church bell choir. I was quite proficient with like six bells. You know, I was one of those kids. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I got mixed up and all that, but I could read music and, you know, having my brother already playing the trumpet for two years, I, I, basically aced this weird little test i would love to see a copy of it if anybody has it um (laughs) but i aced the test and so i got to pick and i think i was first i don't know um and so you know i said "Well, trumpet and the band director actually said well but wouldn't you want to play like a flute or a clarinet you know because you're a girl and i said well we have a trumpet it's right there and of course, he was, my brother was playing in the band and he was like, oh, okay. So they were stuck with me on trumpet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if I wanted to really play it. I think it was just one of those things. Well, I have to pick something. So, you know, I'll, I'll play it for as long as they need me to play it. And it just, it just, I don't know, it fit it's or I made uh, it fit, I yeah, guess. It's stuck.
2: It's stuck. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I was hooked. Um, when I realized, you know, that I had been watching my brother play for so long. Um, and so I knew fingerings just automatically just from watching him. Um, and I understood a bit about what the embouchure should look like. And I'm, you know, and of course I would kind of goof around with it sometimes. So the fact that it, it felt like an easier ride for me than a lot of the other kids because not because I, I hate the word talent, so I'm not going to use it. Um, But I put in hours before realizing I was doing that work. Right. And so I, it's like I had been playing for a while already.
0: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times people miss out on the fact that um, your environment, the things that you're exposed to, even on a subconscious level, they, they stick, especially at a younger age, you know, you're absorbing things that you, you weren't really looking to absorb and that, that works to your advantage and it works to your disadvantage. Yep. So I think that's why it's so it's so important. I think like the ideas of immersion are so so crucial. Uh, whether it be in things like music, uh, even societally, you know, uh, immersing yourself in different cultures, being exposed to different ways of doing things, different beliefs. I think that's so important because if we can do that with kids at a younger age, then they're they're going to mm-hmm. be so much more open and receptive to things that are different from from what they see in their their regular day-to-day lives
1: yeah and that that's the really nice thing about raising a child in New York City you know I mean I I remember there was one day where I realized that my daughter thought that that it was weird that I wasn't gay (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's like that's the ultimate you know thumbs up for me as a parent in New York was that I had exposed her to to so many people and so many different lifestyles and you know that Oh, well that's weird. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there was a lot to be said for that and you know, she's 19 now, so she's got such a great vision of the world just from growing up here.
0: Right. Well, that's, that's really amazing. And that's, you know, kudos to you for, for doing that for your child. Um, yeah. And speaking of which, like, you know, kind of these, these ideas of like standards and, and what's uh, deemed to be normal, Abby normal and, and all those sort of things. Um, you know, being a, a female trumpet player, um, there had to be, and there probably still are, some difficulties that you had to face because it's not looked at as being a particularly feminine thing to do. You know, uh, especially in the in the world of like commercial music. So, um, I mean, how did you navigate that, you know, and and maintain your your sanity, and and uh, not like you know, have somebody buried in the swamp in New Jersey, although you might have somebody buried in a swamp in New Jersey. I'm not saying that <laughs> oh, right, that, that, right. that didn't not, happen. But, That's
1: a different podcast. Yeah, we'll talk so, about that uh, later. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you understood him. Um, so it's kind of funny because, you know, I was a classical player growing up because, and I think a lot of it was because I was encouraged as a woman, as a girl at the time, um, to utilize – a, a pretty sound to, you know, Oh, well, you know, your brother plays jazz cause he's a boy and he's a lead player cause he's a boy and blah, blah, blah. And you're a girl. And I, and I did do really well um, in the classical world and I enjoyed it, but I always, I always, you know, felt like I was shut out of the jazz world. Um, and I mean, when I went to Interlochen in Michigan for my senior year, Um, I felt like some barriers were broken down because there was such a mix of people there. But it was still weird because I still felt very alone in that world. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's funny when I when I started dabbling in more of a commercial vibe, um, it's more acceptable to be a woman because they don't have a lot of expectations of what a trumpet player looks like. You know, they're excited if you can sing back up, and if you can dance, um, and if you're not opposed to some glitter. <laughs> Which I know plenty of guys that are really cool with that too. Yeah, but, but not very many. Yeah, but also just the the you know if you if you you know bring your A game as far as what you've been trained to do on the instrument. And then, you know, you add that that vibe of, you know, yeah, I can dance in six inch heels and, you know, I'd love to sing some harmonies behind you. And, you know, it, it it's a different world. There's not there's not as much masculinity attached to it in in the commercial and the pop world and the the disco world. I've been really immersed in for years now um, and, you know, in, in R&B um, but you still see it a lot in classical and jazz. So I love that I landed on this planet because I, you know, I didn't think that, I never thought, and I listened to a lot of horn bands growing up and stuff, but I never imagined that it would be this open and that I would find a place in it. So it's exciting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. And, you know, it's always amazed me that, anyone who is a musician especially an accomplished musician can't dance I just find that like so there are a
1: lot of musicians that are very very um scared of it and I was too because I I did a lot of recording um, for years in New York like for commercials and whatever uh, TV stuff and film junk and um, so I was in a booth like I am now um, <laughs> and that was my career for years uh, and I liked not being looked at and I liked not having to do anything other than play the part. So I was really, I was like a deer in the headlights the first time I had to do anything and that it was for the BET Awards. So um, <laughs> all of a sudden, I you know, I came out of my little recording pods across town and, and uh you know, I'm on this huge stage and there's cameras everywhere and they're spraying all this stuff in my hair. And then they're saying, oh, by the way, there's going to be pyrotechnics. So you know, I'm going, isn't yeah. that like not good to be spraying anyway? Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of that happened. But I also had to learn how to dance and play at the same time. And it was I mean, it was it was so scary. Yeah. I was so scared. I did not know how to do it. I'm in my hotel room. We're in LA and I'm like, <laughs> you know, we've got these long, long, long rehearsals every day. And then I go to my hotel room. I'm exhausted, but I get there. I'm going, I'm going to make a fool out of myself if I don't figure this out on my own time. And so I'd be up all night, like trying to figure out, well, how do I, you know, put my mute in? I'm like, you know, I have like ground beef for lips all of a sudden, cause I've been playing all the time, but like I got to figure out how to move and very simple moves, but it was hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, over the years, after doing this for so many years, it's hard for me to sit still sometimes, <laughs> you know, I play yeah. these church gigs and I'm like, I want to get up and dance. This is, this is like a great too, but right. you know,
0: so yeah. it well, is hard though. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I guess for me, what it is more, more so than like, you know, whether you've got the serious moves or not, but it's the, Wow, you can't even find one, you know. Just just being able to to, to feel, physically feel, rhythm. and I guess maybe it has to do with, I know. Uh, for me, um, yeah, music was always kind of uh, playing an instrument was something that, that created a barrier for me between myself and and the audience. You know, if, if I had the yes. bell between me and them, so <laughs> that that was my safety zone, um, and there's that level of insecurity. So uh, being able to uh, feel much more free and be able to move and not feel like, you know, it's like, I want you to hear me, but I don't want you to focus on me sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, feeling like if you're the center, if you're moving too much, you become the center of attention and nobody wants that because then they're going to hear all the notes that you crack. So
1: yes. <laughs> oh, I crack plenty when I'm moving. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah.
0: Oh, it is. It is. It absolutely. <laughs> I is.
1: literally have to practice things moving.
0: <laughs> yeah and uh I mean it it's interesting now because uh so much of uh popular music particularly I mean and if you're lucky enough to to be performing at the level that you are obviously um that you know the visual aspect of it is just as vital as the musical aspect and so you have to be able to uh you know look like you belong on stage.
1: Yes actually I have a hilarious <laughs> Pretty short story about that and i was not there but i heard i have eyewitness accounts um, i actually i was booked to go to mexico to play a show and then they moved the date which clashed with a tv thing that i was doing so i couldn't you know i couldn't sub out the tv thing that was silly so um, so it was too late to get a work visa for somebody else from the states but they're saying, well, we're going to be in Mexico. Doesn't everyone play
2: trumpet in Mexico?
1: <laughs> so they called the the promoter, you know, and the promoter knew. Like, they changed the date on us. And said, oh, yeah, we'll get you a guy. Don't worry about it. So long story short, especially since I wasn't there, but, boy, I was told some very long stories about this. Um When I I kept asking, you know, so how did the guy do? How did my sub do? And they said he had the best time. I don't think he's ever had that much fun in his life. I don't think he's ever played a solo ever in his life. I don't think that he's ever played in a crowd that big. I said, okay, um, so how did it go? And nobody's really telling me. They're saying he was so nice. Uh-huh. So then I'm meeting the sax player. He's from L.A. He goes, man, I've been, I, I, I'm so happy to finally meet you because, you know, I was looking forward to this. And my friend Harry talks about you, blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, tell me how this guy did because I'm going nuts asking people because I really want to know. I want to know how it went. And he said, let's just put it this way. I'm so excited to hear the trumpet parts. <laughs> <laughs> But he took it so seriously to learn the dance moves, mm-hmm. and he's up there having a great time doing all these crazy moves, but barely played.
2: Well,
0: <laughs> yeah, you blame it on the sound man on that one.
1: Oh yeah, total. Oh, I must not have been plugged in.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know?
1: But I just thought it's so interesting because for what we do, you know, we've had we've had subs come into the horn section. And they don't move. And that's something that's always told to them. Like there are actual moves and the other horn players are gonna be really good about it. They always put me in the center. So I can, I, I'm really good about like whispering cues. Cause of course, you know, I know the book inside and out. So I'm like, listen, okay, this is where that weird thing, you know, okay, box step, you know, and, and whatever. And I'll even turn their pages for them, like mm-hmm. on an iPad, I'll just, okay, okay. I got your page, do this. Um, but we've had phenomenal, Usually sax players um, sound great, but they don't move. And we never see them again because they didn't move. Like, yeah. I'm like, just, 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 you know, do a step touch. We'll just do a step touch for today if you're really nervous about this. And they just stand there and they play. And it's like, oh, no, I really like this guy. I'm not going to see him ever again.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, I really think like in terms of like the, the education scene, uh, in terms of the, the practical things that you're taught if you're going to be a music performer, you know, performance yeah. major, you yep. should learn things like choreography. Oh, you,
1: my gosh, yes. You should
0: You should have to take a class in just basic fashion design, like how to put together a, <laughs> an ensemble. Right.
1: Especially as a woman. you and But men, too, because I've oh, seen men rip men. their pants on stage. You know, it's like you have to audition your outfit before you get on that stage.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. You have to
1: audition your shoes. I don't care if they're sneakers. Mm-hmm. You have to. You have to try them out. You have to run through the show like that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, those are the things that you don't learn until you're out there and you're ripping your <laughs> pants or sliding all over the place in your shoes. Yes, or things yes, like
1: absolutely. It's 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 essential. But I think um, I think that you know, music education is so ingrained in what was always taught. Mm-hmm. And so they assume, well, this, this works. It's like, well, right. But, you know, meanwhile, you know, I was, I was on a TV show with this poor girl, her, her shoe broke halfway through this, you know, and it's live TV. There's, we can't get her a new shoe and start again, you know, but luckily she figured it out we were it was an outdoor concert of all things so you know two of us kind of she put her arms around us and we she, we, she hopped back you know from the stage with us you know but she made it through the gig yeah and actually during the same gig I almost fell over backwards because <laughs> <moved. laughs> the stage was slippery I was like wow okay uh, gosh, the camera yeah. wasn't on me <laughs>
0: yeah well that, those are always the scary times you know it's like you know I hope nobody saw that one, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just so many little things that, like the survival of the gig, uh, you know, and it's things like that. It's like being prepared for you know, what do you do when you're, you know, if if your third valve gets stuck, what do you, you yeah, all these little things that people don't think about um, until it happens to them, and then you you develop a a method. But it's something that you rarely hear talked about. Yeah, if you go to a master class, you rarely are going to hear someone say okay, well, here are the 10 things that you should carry in your, your gig bag. Right. Uh, you know, here, here are the things that you should do to, to prep for a gig. Uh, so other than, mm-hmm. you know, that's like the typical, you know, you need to learn your audition pieces. So, Right,
1: right, right. It's like, yeah, we all know that.
0: Yeah. You so, know? Yeah. Tell me something I don't know.
1: Right. <laughs> well, walk around in the shoes for 10 blocks and come home and see how your feet feel.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know? Well, I mean, it's even like when you're testing out equipment, you know, you um, know, we, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, you, you have people that will pick up a, a horn or a mouthpiece or whatever and they'll just, you know, blow really hard for five minutes and then go, okay, this is great, this is perfect and I want it. Like, mm-hmm. no, you know, is, is this going to – are you going to be able to play for a two-hour set or a three-hour set or are you going to be able to, to do this consistently and not right. kill yourself?
2: So
1: Right, right. That's like going to Nam or ITG and, you know – people are just playing as as high and as loud as they can oh man it's a great horn like you know nothing about this horn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know you need to figure out a way to try it um in a way where you can actually measure whether or not it's right for you yeah yeah and you know i mean i guess i guess it's an ego game i've never understood it but um you know, and, and then the, you hear the same passages over and over by every single person that goes by. Oh, my God. I'm like, really?
0: Yeah, I, I've worked quite a few you know. of those shows and um, I miss the hang. Um, I don't miss the madness mm-hmm of it yeah, you know I yeah. it's like I don't know how many times I can you know you you, you know because you know okay it's so legit guy's gonna play this excerpt a jazz guy's gonna play <gasps> this lick and the lead guy is going to see how many double c's he can hit
1: right 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 it's it's complete insanity yeah complete but,
2: insanity.
0: you know it, it's the fun part to me for that is also is the people watching you know and, oh, and the observations
1: fantastic. and.
0: yeah yeah
1: you, Get really good earplugs and just <laughs> observe people. <laughs> oh my yeah, God, trumpet fun. players!
0: Weird, weird group of people. I'm, yeah, I, and I'm one of the weird ones, so I. Oh yeah, I'm in the tribe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm
1: there.
0: Absolutely. So you know, you you have um, you know, for if people don't know you well enough, you've got quite the resume. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, your recording, you know, you've done tons of sessions and you know, like you were saying, you know, you know television, uh, television, the film, uh, you've done some uh, Broadway, uh, you were actually, didn't you, didn't you uh, have a, a couple of uh, acting roles off?
2: Yeah. Broadway? Yeah.
0: And <laughs> uh, I know you're, you've been in some, some cool commercials and you just like, you're everywhere. You're a multifaceted ninja princess.
1: Listen. I wish I was now
0: (laughs) and you can repair, you can repair, uh, refrigerators. I understand. And microwaves and microwaves. So, you know, (laughs) you got it all going on. Um, so how, how did you get, uh, involved in like doing acting?
1: So, I mean, all right. So I dabbled in modeling when I first came to New York, um, I don't even know why it came up, but someone approached me. See, this is the Alzheimer's kicking in now. It's been a long time, but someone approached me. And the thing is, I'm not that tall. And, you know, the minimum was like 5'9". And I used to lie and say I was 5'7". So, but because I'm half Asian, it worked out okay. Uh Um, Because, you know, my mother, I don't think she was even five feet tall. So I was very tall for someone who looks Asian enough to be, you know, passing as Asian. Right. Um, and so I just, I don't know, I just fell into it. And I never did anything really big. Like, you didn't see me in any huge commercials. But I did, I did a lot of modeling for Paul Mitchell, the mm-hmm. hair stylist. Right. Um, I did runway for them, which was insane, um, you know. But I, I learned how to wear heels <laughs> really well because I was the shortest one on the runway um I did I did some videos for them um I did do some print work I wish I had copies of it but I just you know that was before we were digital really um and then I just I you know I ended up I got cast in some commercials when I was younger uh one of them was for VH1 you know this is like the birth of cable basically um, and it's hilarious because my hair is like here. I look like I have this baby face and, you know, and all these people are dancing and just being stupid. And then there's me and I just did this. I did it. Nailed it. <laughs> and okay. uh, yeah, crazy stuff. Um, and then I was I was a, I did I, I did a lot of little jobs, um, but then I was a personal trainer years later at New York sports club and they were shooting a commercial. And so the guys, you know, shooting, it came up to me and they were like, Oh, I hear you work here. You know, can you, can you be in this commercial for us? Sure. Okay. So meanwhile, I had shin splints from being stupid and working out too hard and thinking I was invincible. And one of the shots that, I mean, they were shooting me all day. And one of the shots was running on a treadmill on my shin splints. Oh. So I, I really sold that. My face was like, on. Ah, I was like, wow, so good, you know, but I was really in pain. <laughs> but, you know, and so I kind of, uh, weird, the weird thing about getting cast in my first off-Broadway play was I was playing in this very strange group. Um, and the, the lead guy, you know, very funny, very odd, Um, probably a little insane and he would agree with me and maybe I'll send him a message later. I'll say, by the way, I called you insane. Of course you did. Um, Hilarious and very dry. So this whole band, you know, we would play at one in the morning at at the living room in New York. Um, And uh, so my job was to play the trumpet and to also be very serious So I wasn't allowed to laugh when he popped water balloons in his pants and the water went everywhere. Um, He would play like a nose flute. I mean, just like completely insane things. And the entire place is just busting up and I'm just sitting there and I'm just giving him this look, you know, like, oh my God, can we just play the next tune? I don't know how I did it, honestly but I did. I kind of embraced that weird little role because it was a fun band to play in and I got to wear really crazy outfits. And, um, and so one night someone comes up to me and he says, Hey, um, I'm directing a play and I would love for you to audition for a part. I said, so you mean for like the band? He said, no, no, acting, you act like, no, I don't. He goes, oh yeah, I, I, I've seen you quite a few times and you hold that face and when you speak, you're clear and blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, whatever. So give my card. I'm like, I'll never hear from this guy again. He is harassing me, like calling me and emailing me. I was like, dude. All right. So I wrote him back. Finally. I said, listen, if it gets you off my back, I'm not an actress. I will come down and read for your part and that'll be the end. And we will wish each other well. So I went down and I got the part. For that. <laughs> so that was the beginning. I think it helped that I had a, a gymnastic background because in this, the first play ever that I did, we were hanging from the ceiling. Um, and so there were some acrobatics required. Um, I also wore seven inch heels. I believe I started on the floor and I was playing a pocket trumpet and then I, um, I, I, tossed my pocket trumpet into a heavily padded garbage can, like an Oscar the Grouch gar- garbage can. Right. Um, and I'm wearing this house coat. It's made of surgical rubber. Listen, I've done the weirdest things in my life. And so I'm taking off this house coat and I'm, I've got all these things, you know, strapped around me and, and then I'm singing. And then these two people come down on this, this, this line and they hook into me. And I'm still singing and every once in a while, you know, because it would jerk too fast. But they would pull me up into this cloth bag that we all the actors, except for two, would reside in for the entire show. And we would drop in and out for our scenes. It was. okay. I I mean, you can't make this up, right? Like like, this was a real thing. (laughs) And it ran for months. (laughs)
0: So every every night or what, like uh, five shows a, a week or six shows a week or
1: yeah, something like that. Yeah. I was in a lot of pain yeah. and I know that after it finished I was I was so bruised up for months. I mean, I looked like I had been beaten but it was it was such a weird experience yeah. and it, it did a lot for me, I think as a performer because I definitely got over some of my my weirdness you know about being on stage and being in a very vulnerable position. You know, like I'm hanging from the ceiling right now.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and, yeah, that's a really, uh, I think, an important thing to talk about a little bit is is getting over some of the weirdness about being on stage. I know for me, that was always a big thing. I uh, always had this this issue with stage fright. And I was talking about earlier, you know, being able to hide behind the bell or hide behind my glasses or things like that. Um, But. I know for a lot of people the you know the the bigger the 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 bigger the stage, the more pressure they feel on themselves and and the harder it becomes for them to do their job so um you have played on some pretty stinking big stages, so mm-hmm. I, how have you dealt with that uh i mean is it something that that you always felt comfortable with, or was it something that you had to learn uh coping mechanisms to be able to be on those platforms
1: so Funny thing. I would rather pay, play, rather not pay. I'd rather play for, you know, 20,000 people than two. Yeah. I don't, there's something about those huge stages. um, You can't see anybody's face. You can't see if they're going, Ooh, she missed a note. You know what I mean? So you create your story. You walk out on that stage and you see lights, you see nothing. You might see shadows of people. You might not. A lot of times I can't even, you know, it's just, there's nothing out there. And then I hear them. And sometimes the, the, you know, the spotlights will catch some people left and right and whatever, but it's never something where I can say, Oh, Oh yeah, there's so-and-so. I have no idea who's out there. So I create my own little story. Um, We've actually played games like that when I've gigged with my husband. You know, like okay, okay, find the uh, the disgruntled uh, chemist. You know, we'll play games if it's a smaller crowd we could see people's faces. You're but right. um, you know, when you're looking out in this blob, um, you know that those people are so, or you hope anyway, that those people are so excited to be there and they just want to have a great time. And so, you know, because you cannot see an individual face just imagine that they're all so excited and everything you do has just like made their day a little bit better. Um, because that's why people go to, to a concert. I mean, they could just, you know, put in, well, I guess people don't use CDs anymore. Um, but you know, they put on yeah. their eight track. And an eight, exactly. like... yeah. <laughs> but you know, so it, I love it. I love a big crowd. I get nervous
0: if it's a small crowd. Yeah, well, yeah. and I agree with you on that. I, I would much rather play for a large audience than a small audience. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's definitely no place to hide with that. But yep. um, you know, and also, yeah, you've got uh, you know all, all the the years of experience with uh, you know your your acting, your being in you know all the you know the studio sessions and things like that. So you know you've you had this very wide uh diverse career and um what where do you feel the most comfortable is it is it live is it uh studio is it television where where does where does kiku uh hmm. find her her best groove
1: ah uh, well i mean studio is fun i was actually just recording earlier um like I think I stopped 10 minutes before we started talking <laughs> um but studio it's funny because that's where I first started feeling really comfortable with being a musician and now um I love it but I hear all of my mistakes uh and people are such perfectionists now you know everyone's like micro editing everything and I just that's a little bit weird to me um but I still enjoy it. And I love, I love the fact that we can do it here. Um, thank goodness during a pandemic. Right. <laughs> but uh, I feel like I'm comfortable anywhere you throw me, except those small rooms. Yeah. Those I, I got a little bit of a weirdness with. Um, I'll still do it in a heartbeat. Um, you know, before the world shut down, I would do all these, you know, play in these huge stages and I'd be recording and I'd be doing TV shows. And, and then um, once a month, I would play in a little hotel in New York uh, with the two of my friends. And, you know, it definitely was not for the money, um, but it was for the three of us to have fun and play tunes. And it was such a great experience for me um, because it really, it tapped into all of my vulnerabilities so, you know, it, yeah. I mean, it, it's so hard to explain um, to people who haven't done the big stages, and you know, where that's that's what they know. That's that's what they do. And it's amazing to me that people do those gigs and they're not phased by it. Because I'm like, oh my god, you know, all these people in the lobby, this hotel just heard me, and I messed up. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, and they're looking at you and going, you know, oh my God, I can't believe you're standing up there in front of, you
1: know. <laughs> right. Right. It's hilarious. Tens of but... thousands
0: of people. and
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, there are different mindsets to musicians, I guess. And I mean, and as time went on, I got much more comfortable with it. Um, but it is ironic that that was, you know, the most uncomfortable position for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we all, we all process things differently. So, um, with, uh, your, your, uh, touring with Beyonce, um, how many years did you spend with, with her and her band?
1: I did one year. Okay. And, um, my daughter was very, very young and, uh, it just, it didn't, it was, it was too much for me. Mm-hmm. It was way too much for me and it was a lot for her. Um, I was really lucky that first year because, um, I wouldn't have taken the gig, uh, if it weren't for the fact that we were rehearsing down the street from my apartment. I didn't realize though, how long those rehearsals would be. So, you know, I, I basically had to hire someone to pick her up from school and, you know, walk her home and, and do homework with her. And a lot of times she would be in bed before I got home from down the street. Mm -hmm. And then some, you know, some mornings I wouldn't even be able to take her to school. And so I would have to hire that person to walk her to school, maybe even, you know, make sure that she had her breakfast and all that stuff. Um, but I made it work. I really, it's kind of mind boggling when I think about it now. Um, and, uh, you know when they when they said okay we're going to be gone for like a year and you're basically not going to be home it's like gotta go so it was i mean it was it was nice though because um, you know it was very emotional leaving that job um, but you know she she called since then i would come back and do things with her and it, it was nice it was it, it's she's a really Nice person. She's a really amazing person, really. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, you know that completely changed my career. Um, so I'm d- totally grateful for how much I learned from that gig and how much I I realized how much I didn't know. Yeah. About that side of the business, mm-hmm. I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I didn't even know how to how to you know how to sit in a makeup chair and and you know, oh, I don't want to have that done. No, no, no. They're actually working with me. You know, this is, this is their job and they're going to do it. And, you know, even my years as a model, I always kind of had a little input on, eh, I don't know if I like that, you know, Yeah. But, but no.
0: Wow. Very different. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, you know, again, kind of the seems to be the theme today um, that there are so many lessons that we learn, uh, you know, just through the experience that man, that these would be valuable Things for upcoming musicians to learn, and you know when you have people that look at the that lifestyle, you know look at being on the road with you know one of the the top acts in the world mm-hmm. um you go wow that's good that would be so great to be able to do that, and then until you're in the middle of it, and you know you're realizing, you know, hey, you know it means I have to be away from my family, it means that you know I have to give up all these other things and you have to rehearse and and it's not it's not just, you know, crystal yeah. crystal and caviar every night.
1: Yeah, I don't think that ever happened. <laughs> but um, you know, and it's it's though those kind of jobs also, you know, you might have a 12-hour music rehearsal and then you think, "Oh, thank God, you know, it's finally over." And they say, "Okay, let's go to the dance studio." And you don't sleep. Yeah. You just don't sleep. And then you know, your chops are all puffy and gross, and <clears throat> you have a TV show tomorrow. And so you've gotten a 30 minute nap, you know, and you're completely swollen, so you're icing your face. I mean, there's so much stuff that people really don't realize that, you know, even if it's two minutes on the TV, you have no idea what goes into that two minutes. It's yeah. insane. It's insane.
0: Yeah, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's the thing, you know. So it, whether it's that, or, or even just when you think about skill, uh, you know, people look at, you know, what you can do as a player, or what you know someone that someone can do as an athlete, or something mm-hmm. like that, and they look at it and they go, "Well, I, you know, I wish I could do that." And it's like, "Well, you know, are you willing to pay the price that it takes to yeah. be able to do that?" Because everything takes work.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So that's cool. Uh, I, I want to ask you, though, about this Ninja Princess thing. I'm sorry. This is this is completely perplexing me. So uh, <laughs> how, how did you come up with a Ninja Princess uh, moniker?
1: I didn't.
0: It was it bestowed was on you?
1: Completely organic. Yes. Um, and this was, let's see, I don't even I'm trying to remember what era of this life. So my daughter was very, very young. Um, she was preschool. And, um, I went on a little tour, like a very little tour with a blues band. Um, and that's actually the band that I I learned to play trombone in because they wanted me to switch back and forth and whatever. So it was fun. Um, (laughs) and I got on the bus and let's see. Yeah. The bass player looks at me, TM Stevens. And he says, Oh, we got a real life Ninja princess on board and that was it. That was the only thing. And the entire band thought it was hilarious. And so every gig, every night that we did and they were like an introducing the Ninja princess. And that was it. It was over. It was like, Oh, I'm this is me. And there you go. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it just happened.
0: <laughs> uh, those are the best ones sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, but I want to talk to you about the your your uh, your advocacy. The you know you you have a lot of uh, things that, that you're very passionate about and are you know advocating for a lot of things. Uh, obviously, one of which being uh, women musicians. You know, it's a, a big mm-hmm. thing for you. Uh, but but there's uh, some other stuff going on. So let's talk about Kiku, the advocate, a little bit. Okay. So what what are your passions, and and, and why are those topics so important to you?
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, I mean, I guess I guess sometimes we um we things come into our lives that we don't want. And we realize how alone we feel. So one of one of the big things that that um that I try to help the world out with and hopefully it's doing something is cancer. Um and I was diagnosed almost nine years ago. So here I am. Uh, and it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's this ongoing and I don't use the word battle. I don't, I don't like the whole like, Oh, you know, you're going to kick its ass cause it doesn't have one. Um, or you're going to beat this thing. Cause you know, I'm, what is the cure? Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I'm just, I'm stuck with this and this is, this is a part of my life. And I know that a lot of other people are stuck with it too. Um, But when I was diagnosed um, and my mother actually died from cancer and she was, she had literally just turned 50 when she passed away. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing because I don't, I, at the time that I was diagnosed, even though I lived with my mother for 10 years while she was sick and I took care of a lot of stuff and all that, you know, all that, but I was a kid. So as an adult, I didn't, I wasn't very close to a lot of people that had the disease and most of them were pretty quiet about it. Um, And sometimes it was because they knew my history with it and my mother um, and also my mother's sister and my uncle and, you know, it goes on and on. But, um, I think sometimes too, people just don't like to talk about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's really an old school mentality. Um, and I, I don't think it's a good idea. However, ironically, I didn't talk about it for about nine months into my diagnosis. Um, but for me, it was different. I was dying to talk about it and literally, (laughs) 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 whoops, but, um, I didn't because I, I know the business well enough that, you know, I had just started playing for Gloria Gaynor. I literally, I think I did one gig for her and then I was diagnosed. I mean, Mm. you know, of course it's ironic with I will survive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But I didn't know them well enough to say, Hey, by the way, I got cancer. Um, It's cool. Right. So, but also, you know, it, it wasn't just that gig. It's like, you know, I had all these TV shows that I was booked to do. I was, you know, going to play at the White House for the first time. I was like, oh, my God, you know, what if people hear that I'm sick and automatically people will start to write you off. Right. Um, especially in the music world for different reasons. <clears throat> you know, it might, be, it might be because they're not sure And, you know, people hear, oh, you know, you were diagnosed with cancer. That means you're going to be going through all this stuff and your hair is going to fall out and you're going to be throwing up all the time. I mean, there's all these stereotypes of Mm -hmm. having cancer. And, um, you know, another reason why I kept my mouth shut was other trumpet players. And as much as I love our community, our community is very hungry. Mm. And I have heard so many stories from different people on every instrument that when you know when it was discovered that something was quote wrong with them and I'm going to I'm not going to do the air quotes but you know yeah. you could imagine them cuz you know air quotes are so yesterday uh, but you know the uh, people will go for the job yeah Oh, I know who the MD is on that. And, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to drop a casual, hi, how you doing? You know, and, and get myself in their radar. So there were a lot of reasons why I didn't talk about it for that long. Yeah. Um, and it's sad to me, yeah. you know, because I got through so much stuff. I, the last day of radiation, I was complete. I looked like a burn victim, Um, I had no skin left. I was purple. Everything hurt. Um, I I had to, you know, ride with somebody in a car for three hours, do like an eight hour recording session and then ride back. And I'm sweating the whole time and it's stinging and everything Mm -hmm. hurts. And I've got all this gauze in my purse and this, this stuff that I have to put on my burns. And I'm like, you know, they must think that I've got some GI problem today because I keep going to the bathroom. Right. But I'm cleaning my wounds and then I've got this like Ziploc thing so that I'm not leaving all of these bloody gauze pieces all over the you know the bathroom because I don't want to get found out that I have cancer and right. that I finished radiation this morning at 7 o'clock. Mm. So, you know, I just it's such a weird, but I think, I think I just completely went off on some tangent about it. Um, (laughs) But yes, I, uh, I, I like to be out there for the community um, and try to help people through things. And, you know, I, I never one to say, well, you should do this because I did that, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, a lot of people that I've become very good friends with um, who some of them are still alive and many of them are not. Um, we did completely different methods of treatments. Um, and never did I ever say, you know what, you should do what I'm doing because I'm doing better than you are. Yeah. I think that's the worst thing you can do to someone. Um, I get a lot of unsolicited advice myself from people like, I mean, okay, thanks, but I'm good. You know, I'll I will definitely ask if I have questions. And that's usually, you know, when people people do reach out to me and they say, Hey, what do you what do you what's what was your personal experience with this treatment? Or did you did you do this? Was this offered to you? Did you accept it or did you did you refuse it? Um, did you ever fire an oncologist? And yes, I did. I fired two. Mm. <laughs> um So, you know, it's interesting because you're very alone when you when you're diagnosed with with something like cancer or you feel alone. Um, And then this doctor who is supposed to know everything doesn't actually know everything. Right. And they don't know you and they don't know how you feel and what your life is about and what's important to you. Um, And so, you know, it's funny because people people think of doctors as some godlike figure a lot of times. Right. And it's like, but, you know, my husband pointed out to me one day when I was like, I can't believe this doctor's telling me to do this crap and they won't listen to me. He says, doctors are practicing medicine. They're not experts because you can't be because it's evolving and you practice, you try things, you do what a musician does. Oh, let me try it this way. Okay. never mind, That didn't work out for me, but you know, I'll try it another way and you practice until you get it. And so luckily my new oncologist, he's not even new anymore. It's been years. Um, he listens to everything I say. And he's like, you know, you're, you're the expert in you. So, yeah. you know, go
0: for it. Well, you know, and I think that, that's, you know, a, the, a couple of important points to me from what you're saying. One is, yeah, you, you are ultimately your best advocate and you're, you're, you're your best. Physician, you're your best teacher, you're your best whatever because everything eventually comes down to you and what works for you and how you process things and how you, you work through things. So, yeah, I think that, that sometimes we put too much responsibility and hope in others when the best place to put it is square on your own shoulders. But that takes, that takes strength and it takes uh, a personal accountability and it may not be a situation that you, you wanted, you know, it may not be something that, that you would hope for or wish for. And it, and it may not be anything that you did or didn't do that created that situation. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. But, but you do have the ability to choose how you're going to deal with it. And that attitude that, you know, that applies to everything. Yeah. So, um, and the other thing that you're saying about talking about things and, and, I've I run into this myself, and and other people I've talked to about this. Um, sometimes, I don't like to talk about things, not because I'm afraid of talking about them, but because I just don't want to give it power. You know, it's like I don't want to I don't want to start fixating, and I don't want to start identifying myself. And uh, for for years, I didn't talk a whole lot about my personal uh, dealings with cancer. And then I had a lot of other people that were dealing with you know, the same kind of cancer I had and going or other kinds and dealing with with some of the kind of uh complications that I had to deal with. And it's like, okay, well look, maybe I'll share my story and, and if it helps somebody, then you know, it it helps somebody. Yeah. But it's kind of finding that balance where I don't want to be I don't always be walking around with the the sticker and the the ribbon on my, my shirt and saying I'm oh, cancer okay. man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, but at the same time, I, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not afraid of it. It's, you know, it's part of who I am. Uh, you know, from that, from that moment of that diagnosis to the day that I die, yeah, it's going to be a part of who I am, part of my life story. So it's, it's learning to embrace it and to use it as, uh, as a tool, as momentum for me to, to reach my, my higher self. So yeah, that's
1: it. That. That's it. It's like, it's like you now have a permanent roommate. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, no. that sometimes just stays quiet and then, you know, you're just, you're just waiting for them to rear their ugly head. You know? so, <laughs> yeah.
1: so yeah. 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 I just went for a huge scan last week, like, you know, where they inject all the radioactive stuff and, and mm-hmm. ugh. you know, and so and, it happens. And I'm going for another one next week yeah. or this week. Oh, God, I do not even know. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's always something going on. Yeah. there's. It's never... It's never, there's never a moment where I say, oh, you know, it doesn't, it's not really part of my life anymore because it always is, Mm -hmm. you know? And every time I get a headache, I'm like, oh no, oh no, I have brain cancer now. This is terrible. You know, everything that happens, you, you, it's like your, your, your hip hurts. Yeah. Like, oh my God, it finally metastasized to my hip. This is terrible. And that's actually why I have all these appointments because I'm like, oh my God, I'm in so much pain luckily you know the last scan came out okay so Mm -hmm. you know but it's always it's it's never just like oh man i got a headache today yeah it's like oh my god i'm gonna die like now (laughs) so it's just weird but you know at the same time when you when you realize that you're that it's kind of your little you're, you know, the buddy system when you're little and you go swimming, you call out your number. So that's your buddy now, yeah. you know. And so I'm here, you're here. All right. Just just keep calm for a while. I don't want to hear from you for a while. Just, you know, zip it so I can do some other things.
2: Yeah.
1: And you learn to live with it. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's gotten to the point where I'm just, I'm not really afraid of dying I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Like it's I mean it's going to happen to everybody, so of course it's going to happen to me. I just I just might have a little more insight as to how.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it actually it's it's kind of calming because it's like okay, let me, you know, I update my will once in a while and and I make sure that I don't accumulate too much stuff. I've been like, you know, I give things away. I'm just like, I I don't need this. And I don't think my family wants this when I'm gone. I don't think that they want to clean up all this stuff. So let me just, you know, and my neighbor does the same thing. And she's 86. She's like a mother to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll go over there. Oh, honey, you like this? Here, take it. What am I going to do? My kids are going to throw everything out. I'm like, this totally makes sense. And I'm doing it, Mm -hmm. you know, at a much younger age, but that's okay. Because, you know, I don't want to leave a mess. Yeah. I want to, you know, I want to leave something nice and I don't want it to be like, oh, my God, I have to bag all this stuff up and figure out what's what. No, that sucks.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's been a process of, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not afraid to die, but I'm more afraid of not living. That's a
1: big one. And it's hard right now, right? You
0: know, yeah, but you know, trapped, yeah, but but (laughs) but that that's kind of the same thing as I see that with the pandemic is that, um, there are a lot of great lessons that we could be learning from this, yes. Um, you know, if if if, you know, washing your hands and you know, maintaining you know, a level of of social distancing is good now, it's probably a good thing in in you know, in general, you know, we Mm -hmm. we, you know, you don't need to you know, spread your germs to everybody. Uh, so, yeah. you know, just, you know, common sense stuff, taking care of yourself, spending more time with the people that you really care about, staying in touch with people, all these things that we're learning from right now. My fear is, you know, people talk about, you know, they, they, the new normal and how they just want things to go back to the way it was. And like the way it was really kind of sucked. Yeah.
1: Actually. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting because, you know, my daughter, you know, she's been doing college from home now. And, um, and you know, my husband, of course, he's a musician. And we never saw each other. Um, and first of all, it's a miracle that we haven't killed each other, I think. Um, because literally, I'd be on the road so much and he'd be out until four in the morning, you know, doing his gigs and stuff. And and so now we're, we're all trapped at home together. Right. Um, and, you know, and it's been nice because we've been able to work through things that, you know, we, we wouldn't have otherwise, because it, you know, every time I would come home from the road, be like, oh, hey, I remember you, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, we know what's going on now. Um, You know, we've, we've gotten closer to our daughter. um, And, uh, you know, she's, she's really been blossoming. She loves the whole, walked down she's an introvert I mean I am too so we're doing fine but (laughs) I just missed the gigs but um yeah
0: there is that
1: yeah it's kind of weird but you know we're we're figuring out how we've been we all cook like crazy Mm. so we've been we've been doing a lot of cooking my daughter just just made the best vodka sauce that I've ever tasted in my entire life
0: Uh, how many bottles of vodka did she use
1: maybe could have used a little more, but yeah, I was, I was actually surprised because she's tasting it. She's like, Oh, it needs more. I was like, wow. You know, (laughs) okay, go girl. Yeah. She's pouring in the heavy cream. Like, no, it needs more of that. And it was, it was Mm. ridiculously good, but we've been doing so much um, improving so many different parts of our lives, you know, including just, you know, maintaining our home and making it warmer and making it more inviting and, you know, just, there's so many things that you can do now that, you know, once you're able to be in the world again, um, you're not going to have that time, yeah, yeah, because you have to work.
0: <laughs> that is true. That so. is absolutely true. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I really, in a way, I kind of hate to ask this question because I think it's it's the stupidest question in the world. Um, but what well, mouthpiece? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. Just Don't don't don't, don't jump ahead <laughs> of me. Don't jump ahead of me. Um, but. What advice would you give to um, other female trumpet players out there that, that are trying to to establish their career? And I hate the reason I hate asking that question is because that's a question that shouldn't have to be asked.
2: Right. It shouldn't have right. to be
0: prefaced with what would you say to a woman trumpet player? It should just be, you know, a trumpet player. But we know that you're, you know, that that all of my my female friends out there that you're dealing with things that that guys just don't have to deal with. So, you know, as someone who has made it in the business, um, what are the things that, that you would want uh, your sister trumpet players to, to really take to heart?
1: Well, I mean, you know, take no shit. <laughs> you know, number one. I mean, well, people, it, it's, it's very interesting. I think, I think as I get older and, um, And, you know, as my resume grows, um, and gosh, I hope it continues to grow at some point. Um, But right now we're all in a holding pattern. Um, I think that as people get to know me more um, or are familiar with me at first, uh, I don't walk into as much BS as I used to. Um, But it still happens. It still happens where, you know, um, and my husband... Sometimes we'll do gigs together and uh, and we never, we never display like, hey, we're a couple, you know, because why? It's my husband. That's stupid. But we're also both professionals and I never want to, you know, make it look like it's a thing, like you have to hire us both together. We barely work together. Um, we like it, but we barely work together. And uh, so he'll oftentimes, you know, walk in behind me and just observe what, what happens to me. If people don't know me Mm -hmm. and it's kind of, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, between getting looks from people, um, getting checked out, um, being talked down to, uh, you know, like people are really not smart when it comes to approaching a situation that they're not used to. So they see a woman with a trumpet and they're, they're immediately confused. I've, I've been asked, Oh, are you singing with us today? I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't have brought my trumpet then, but cool. Does it pay more? Like, wh- why are you offering me this? And, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny, but yeah. it's, you know, but it's also not because, you know, I, if I tell someone I'm a musician and they see that I'm an Asian woman, they assume I play the piano or the violin. Mm-hmm. I must be great at math. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that people will assume just by looking at someone. Right. Um, so, I would just say, you know, just always do your best. Um, if someone does talk down to you, and you know, feel free to feel free to educate them in the friendliest way you can, because as we've learned or have not learned uh, from all of the political craziness going on. Um, there's a lot of yelling. And the second you start yelling at somebody who doesn't agree with you or doesn't understand you or doesn't see your point of view, that person is never going to agree with you. Right. The person is not going to listen to you. They're not, you, you cannot discuss when you're yelling. Um, Or, you know, when you're saying you're so stupid, how can you not see that I'm a trumpet player? You can't, you just can't say that. Um, So, you know, the same goes true with this. And and the thing about music is that there are so many musicians, but it's also such a small world that you're going to see people again and again, you're going to see them 20 years later. And, you know, and let's hope that you were kind when you first saw them, no matter what they said to you. Um, now, being kind doesn't mean letting someone grab you and ha, 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 you know. No, no, no. Right. You, you really, to to be a, a female trumpet player, and I think it's sad at this point that we're still doing this because, I mean, when I was growing up, you know, I was a unicorn. Um, and there were others, but boy not a lot and not a lot that stuck with it and you know partially because people say oh but but I don't understand you're a girl it's that's dumb you know aren't you going to be a housewife and I'm pretty sure that a lot of people thought I would end up being a housewife yeah um you know it's really about about letting people know no this is actually the the situation and you know I hope I hope I can kind of change your mind about what you're thinking right now. Um, I once, I once was playing in a house band and there were, you know, a lot of acts and a well-known singer came on stage and kind of looked at the house band and then looked at me and he said, Oh, you know, there, there's a really tricky passage and blah, blah, blah. I hope you can handle it. I was like, so I turned the music and I look at it. I was like, Wait, this part here? And I just, like, nailed it. And thank God I nailed it, because that could have been really embarrassing. But he put me on the spot. I was like, don't do that to me.
2: Yeah.
1: Really, you're going to point to the one girl in the band and say, I hope you can handle this. Why are you looking at me, you know? Why aren't you asking anybody else in the band? Oh, because they're guys? Mm -hmm. And it was very obvious that that was the case. It wasn't because it it was actually... I mean, we all had tricky music in there. Mm -hmm. And... He didn't speak to me the rest of the night, but I kept smiling and I was like, Hey, it was really great working with you. I think we even took a picture together and you know, whatever. But, um, but there are a lot of assumptions that are made, you know, Oh, but you're so sweet. There's no way you can play this really loud or blah, 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 you know, (sighs) prove them wrong. Yeah. Just prove them wrong. That's, I mean, that's the best thing that you can do is, you know, is is to be kind, but not be stepped on, not be a pushover. Um, do your best, which everyone should be doing their best. But I do I do know that there are I know plenty of musicians that don't, and they're like, oh God, one of these gigs. Okay, great. How do I get through this thing? And, you know, wear my cheapest shoes, and I'll I'll just iron this part of my shirt that shows, and and ugh. can't wait until this is done. I'm going to eat as much as I can during the break because the food is for, you know, come on, man. Just do your job. Do it right. And yeah, Yeah. if there are epic snacks, go for it. But do your best gig because I will be at the snack table with you.
0: (laughs) Open bar. Open bar, baby. That's the way it works.
1: But also, you know, keep yourself in check as far as that stuff goes, too. Yeah. If you know that you can't play a certain way, if you know that you know if you overeat or if you drink too much whatever you drink maybe it's not the best time to do it yeah pack a doggy bag i don't care bring your own tupperware i've actually said that to someone <laughs> so why don't you bring a tupperware he's asking for like a to go bag I'm like Just bring a container you know you do this every gig
2: yeah
0: Right. I
1: knew this guy for two years. I'm like, come on, you know yourself.
0: Get, get a bigger gig bag, you know?
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> Just throw it all in there. I don't yeah. care. I'm I got a looking. quad,
0: and all I carry in it is, is, a, is a piccolo trumpet, you know, and the rest of it's <laughs> Tupperware. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they <Right. laughs> had meatloaf. Yep. Look, I got a whole. You know. <laughs>
0: there you go, you know. You, I you
1: mean, do. yeah, but really, like, know yourself, do your best, figure out your best situation.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and that's, yeah. I, I can't remember who it was, but uh, someone recently was talking about black, uh, uh, about white privilege oh, and yeah. saying the difference between, you know, like, you know, the, the difference between being white and being black in America. You know, it's like the opportunities are there if you're black, but you just have to work twice as hard
2: mm-hmm.
0: to, to get the same level of respect or acknowledgement, things like that. And... You know, so, so there's, there's, you know, obviously there's always going to be the racial disparity. There's the, the gender disparity. And like I said before, you know, I wish I didn't have to have those kind of conversations, but unfortunately we do, you know, until, until everybody figures out that we're all dealing with the same shit, just kind of a different, you know, shape, (laughs) if -hmm, you will, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, you know, it, it all comes down to those same things. It's, you know, don't take any crap from people. But be genuine, be nice, be humble, do your best. And yeah, you know, especially for those of us who are fortunate enough to be paid money to do something that we would generally do.
2: For oh, free. yeah.
1: We're all doing it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in this room and I'm going, wow, I'm really sweating up here and, and nobody's paying me to do it.
0: Yeah. So. Well, you know, we had such a wonderful conversation. I've got two last things that we need to get through uh, before we wrap up our time together. And uh, the first is to appease uh, all of those uh, gear heads out there that uh, we have to have these conversations. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but I I do have some interest in this as well. But this is a segment we call gear up and gear up. We just want to talk briefly about what kind of what kind of gear you're working on and then uh, also just kind of get some feedback from you on some ways that people can approach their gear uh, that's going to be, you know, things that they, they, they may not have thought about before. So let's just uh, jump into to our gear up section.
1: Well, so I um, – here's my brand-new horn that I got right before the shutdown. Ooh. Woo! Look, I already got dents in it. Pretty. I only took it out of the house like twice. I already got dense, so I am now playing on an Edwards X thirteen, and um, the mouthpiece is a Warburton. It's a it's a Kiku Collins top. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of her, but I was like, eh, might as well try it. Um, and it's on a KT back four, and it has the the Landris sleeve. It's actually you know about these, right? The wooden I forget what the yeah. hell they're called but this is this is actually the prototype so none of them look this pretty so feast your eyes
0: oh man i was just thinking i, I was Jones cuz i play i play Walburton as well and uh-huh. it's like mine doesn't look like that yeah, like I have to call yeah, Terry just, up. <laughs> <You jerk. laughs> I,
1: you, I, got, I got i got a damaged one where's the yeah. wooden thing yeah where's that the was, wood thing this is from um, Josh Landress and this you know he started making these so many years ago mm-hmm. um and uh he's a great if if People don't know who he is, which I find to be very unbelievable that people don't know who he is. He's the only person that is allowed to touch our instruments, my husband and I combined, um, with anything. And he can fix everything.
0: Josh is the man.
1: Oh, my God. I love him. I actually, I just did two video. Well, not just. if Everything feels like just in this pandemic, but I did two videos for his shop um, for Facebook and um, you know, his. I'm so happy that they're still around and open because I really need him to fix those dents because they're driving me insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's the main stuff that mm-hmm. I play. I use torpedo bags. Of course, everybody knows torpedo bags.
2: Love oh my,
0: God. my torpedo bag.
1: Mine are purple.
0: I hate you. <laughs> I
1: want a um, bag. You know, you know. Steve and I are big fans of each other, and. Um, and I I really didn't think that it would happen. My first torpedo bag is black, of course. It was mm-hmm. a classic right. years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. they're so much better now. It's amazing. But I still have that original one. And, um, you know, we were talking about cases. And I said, man, you should really come out with some purple ones. It's my my favorite color. And, uh, yeah. So now I have purple cases. Nice. And um, I use Ultra Pure Actually, my daughter did some graphic design and some original artwork. I don't know if you've seen. I wish I had one in here now. Um, there's, a, there's a little bag. It's called the Brass Pack. You know, it's a okay. Brat, Brat Pack. Of course, I thought of that name. She's too young to know yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Now she knows, though. But um, So she did the graphic design on the bag um, to his specs, and she hand-drew the trumpet. There's a There's a cleaning cloth. There's a polishing cloth, and mm-hmm. it's black, and it's gorgeous. And she drew this little trumpet on it. Nice it's mind blowing that she did that. But, um, so those guys, and of course I'm, you know, a chop saver addict. I have them everywhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like one of his first artists. Cause I'm, I, I mean, I practically eat it. Yeah. I use so much of it. I love it, but we all use it. So I mean, what else? I don't know.
0: Well, you got, you got your gear, you got your gear. Um, With speaking of gear, uh, then, um, you know, I I always try to give this little spin, my own personal spin. Um, Do you see a difference for someone or would you recommend a different approach to uh, gear for someone who's doing a lot of live shows, such as yourself, uh, like doing more stage production as opposed to if you're doing a lot of club dates or, or smaller venues. Uh, what do you see is, uh, do you see a necessity for a slightly different gear setup for, uh, for those two situations?
1: So I was really good friends with Lou Sola for a long, long, long time. Um, you know, when I was 15, I met him and for anyone who knew Lou personally, he would have, a minimum of 200 mouthpieces on him at all times and he would switch mouthpiece for like for every note I don't know how he did it but he would just constantly switch stuff when I first met him he had there was a stack of trumpets up to the ceiling like, what who needs all of this stuff so there are people that clearly believe in that um I think that I would just get confused um if I had different stuff oh well this is my tv mouthpiece and this is you know, this is my recording now. I'm kind of one of those people that thinks, you know, whatever gear fits you, fits you. And so, you know, I'm on commercial gear, you know, which, which fits every setting that I play in, except for classical church stuff, you know, that kind of nobody has ever complained. Like, well, your horn is way too commercial for this. they keep calling me back I don't know maybe it's because you know I wear fun socks I don't know but but I've never had a complaint you know Mm -hmm. um I don't play on any classical gear anymore and that's how I grew up and I'm I feel so free I feel like everything fits me I never I never felt like you know certain instruments or types of instruments fit me well Mm -hmm. um even the cornet, I have a beautiful cornet and I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. It's kind of fun to play, but I don't feel like myself in it. So I, I use it if there's a gig that calls for that specific vibe. Um, so, yeah, I'm really I'm really one of those people. You find a setup and, and you stick to it. I've never been successful in a shallow mouthpiece and never say never. Um, I'd like to continue to try and pursue something like that. Um, And this is a good time to do that. But, uh, you know, I also, during this break, another thing that I kept quiet was I had seriously major oral surgery. Mm. Um, And I'm still going through it. So I had to relearn how to play again. You know, cancer is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, (laughs) But I also, I learned how to be a little more efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned, you know, how to play on plastic teeth. That's a good skill set, uh, you know, and, and I'm not done with the process, so I'll have to learn again Yeah. Uh, when I get the permanent stuff in, but we have bone growing very slowly right now, so mm. I'm kind of waiting, but I haven't stopped anything. I'm just still forging ahead and, you know, just like everything else, just yeah. figure it out.
0: Well, that was a process I was contemplating going through prior to the pandemic. And uh, so mm. yeah, I'm I'm still on the fence as to whether I actually am going to, to do that. But mm. I may have to pick your brain on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, mine was a necessity at this point. Yeah. Um Because my literally the last the last thing I did was I, I did one of those recordings for Facebook. And I really was. I was saying, I, I, I think not out loud because I didn't want them to know that anything was wrong, but It was the night before my surgery and I was like, my teeth are going to literally pop out because they were, they had been moving for years Mm -hmm. from the treatment Mm -hmm. and uh, I I had to have it done. It was a necessity. Otherwise I would have no teeth left.
0: Yeah. Well, Oh my (laughs) goodness, girl.
1: I know. It's so exciting, right? So much stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Never a
1: dull moment. I cannot, (laughs) I'm never bored. I will tell you that.
0: Well, there you go. (laughs) Um, All right. So we've got one last segment. And uh, this is uh, a rapid fire round, and it's brought to us Ah! by uh, my good friends at Robinson's Remedies, Kenny Robinson and uh, Richard. Um, So these are. series of questions that bounce all over the place and i just need your quickest response oh no to this (laughs) you don't have to think too hard
1: okay that's good
0: all right so we'll start first one who's the biggest influence on your life that is not a trumpet player
1: my daughter all
0: right what's your favorite book
1: the talent code
0: love that book. Did
1: I win? Did I win?
0: You won. I just had a conversation with Bobby Shue a couple weeks ago. Of course about that.
1: you did. He's the one that told me to read it.
0: Yes. And you have to, have, have you gotten the little book of talent? No. It's a, it's a great compendium to it. I used to give it to okay. people as gifts. It's just a small book with like 50 or 52 little tidbits.
1: All right. I'm going to look into that.
0: It's really good. Okay good all right what's the worst movie you've ever seen
1: oh man i like bad movies um oh my gosh sharknado it's good (laughs) i can't lie
0: (laughs) it's it's so bad that it's good that it's bad
1: so yeah i like that all
0: right uh if you weren't a trumpet player what would you want to be a chef good i'd like to be an eater (laughs) what's your favorite drink
1: Sparkling water.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you could have a dinner party and invite any three living people. Any three people in the world can be invited to this party. Who would they be?
1: Barack Obama, who I've met twice, so I don't know. But I didn't mm. get to talk to him to, enough. So, um, Pat Benatar. <laughs> wow. She was one of my biggest influences when I was growing up. Um, oh, my gosh. Who else? Uh there's so many. I don't know. Can I just have two?
0: You can just have two. You're
1: fine. Ah, I can't think of someone else. There's so, I've met so many people already.
0: <laughs> well Is that Bar- weird? Barack will bring Michelle. So
1: That's that's what I'm talking okay, about. There you go. She's so sweet. Okay. All that's right. A good party.
0: Okay, now you got another three chairs at that table and you can invite any three people from history, any three people that are no longer with us.
1: Okay, I'm gonna say my mother, because she didn't get to see me grow up. hope she's proud. Um, Mel Broyles, because I miss him. He didn't get to see me grow up either. Um, I'm gonna toss Gandhi in there. Okay. That'll be interesting talk.
0: Yeah, be a lot of interesting talk on that. Yeah. All right, lacquer plated or raw?
1: I'm gonna have to say lacquer.
0: Okay, what's your favorite quote?
1: Um, and I just actually officiated a wedding recently and there was a great one by Dr. Seuss that I put in there. Um, it was something about, um, sometimes, you know, sometimes you're so crazy and you find somebody else who's crazy and, and you end up calling that love. I actually did. I said that at a wedding, whatever the proper quote was. And they were like, that's amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: Better than... I will not eat them in a car. I will <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um you could be oh nope. I skipped one. This Uh-oh. is this is a good one. Okay. Uh what's your greatest fear?
1: Oh, my greatest fear is not being able to play ever again.
0: Mm. Okay. Uh you could be granted one superpower. What would it be?
1: Um, to cure cancer. Is that a superpower? That's a superpower. Okay.
0: I'll take it as a superpower.
1: I mean, I guess second would be to fly. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. You gotta back
0: up. Yeah. <laughs> if you could do both, it would really work out well. So you just fly Yeah, all...
1: I could just fly everywhere and cure everyone.
0: Exactly. Cool. All right. What aspect of Trump excuse me, I'm losing myself here. Uh what aspect of trumpet playing do you find to be the most overrated?
1: Oh, wow. Um I'm going to say playing super, super loud.
0: Okay. What aspect of trumpet playing do you find to be the most underrated?
1: Being to be able to play extremely soft. <sighs> <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> yeah,
0: how about that? Uh, you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice about music. What would it be?
1: It's just music.
0: <laughs> and you're able to give yourself one piece of advice about life.
1: Don't be so afraid of everything. Mm,
0: okay. And the final question for you today is, what do you want your legacy to be?
2: Ooh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know about legacy. I just really, I... I think ever since my diagnosis and all the other fun things that have kind of toppled on me since then, I've just really decided that I want to leave the world a better place than, you know, like every day, just try to do something good for other people, even if I don't know them, even if they're not born yet. Um, So yeah, all of that is all of that advocacy work and, you know, trying to help people out. just try to be a good person.
0: No, oh, well, I think ultimately that's all that any of us really can do, and yep. that's the the biggest gift that we can give to future generations is just uh, to make the world a little bit better because we've been here, and yeah. uh, you're you're well on your way to that.
2: So, <sighs> you passed. Oh, so. it. Yeah, it's just, a lot of work.
0: Just just like that music <laughs> test, you just aced it. So, yes. <laughs> So, uh, Kiku, thank you so much for spending time with me today. And uh, if you want to find out more about some of the things that Kiku's got going on, please check out the show notes. And we have some links to uh, all of her projects and um, things that that she's involved in. So stay in touch, stay on top of things, and hopefully we'll be able to catch you out in public at some point when when live (laughs) music returns. The return of the gigs, so oh, um, you know it—it's it, it's, going to happen. There's going to be an explosion of creativity. I really feel it. So
1: yeah, so, yeah, that's good. Can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah,
0: so in closing, as always, all my
2: friends here at the Hang, peace and slide grease. We's out.